today, you can move towards vulnerability, salvation, and healing. Story time. So I grew up in the country, in Tuskegee, Alabama, and it's not unusual to see random animals kind of just coming in your yard, right? And so I was home one summer for summer break from college, and there was a dog that came in our yard, and this dog had like a jug or a container stuck on his head, right? So my family and I are like calling this dog. We're trying to figure out how we can get this container off the dog's head because we know that if this dog doesn't get this container off of his head, he's not going to be able to eat, he can't drink, and he's going to eventually die. So it became such a thing that I remember like praying. I was so sad. I'm like, this dog, I want to help this dog, but he would come in our yard, but he would not let us get close enough to rescue him. And I remember just thinking, this is crazy. Like, we all we want to do is help to get the jug off of this dog's head, but the dog is so skittish that he won't come near us to allow us to help him, right? So we never got the jug off the dog's head, never saw the dog again. I'm assuming that he died because of his his insecurity, his own inability to trust anyone enough to draw close so that someone could remove the obstacle from his head. And I've thought about, I call this dog Jughead. And Jughead is like kind of a life lesson for me at this point because I've come back to that thought over and over over the course of the last 15 years or however many years it's been. And one thing that has always stood out is how we can allow fear or pride to keep us from being vulnerable um, and getting the help that we need. And I've seen that in myself. So over the years when I've seen that in myself, I've gone back to the story of Jughead and I feel like God has used it to kind of poke me like you are being Jughead, get over here. And I also think about Jughead when I encounter other people who I can tell are dealing with some pride or fear or just a lack of humility that keeps them from experiencing the freedom that that God wants them to have. So here's the thing. Life is messy. And as hard as it is to admit, oftentimes we are messy. And at minimum, God is begging us to come to him. Um, it could be a situation that is the symbolic jug for us. Um, let's say I'm having a relational issue or I'm having an issue adjusting at work, or it could be a state of mind. I am just dealing with a lot of pride or arrogance or self-righteousness or um, lust or whatever the, the state of mind is, or it could be a sin pattern. Um, whatever it is, we all have this symbolic jug that we tend to not want to expose to people or God. And here's the thing, at minimum, God is like, come to me and let me help you. He's like begging us, 
come to me so that I can help you. And the thing that prevents us from coming to God, oftentimes it's just a lack of vulnerability um, because we have a lack of humility. So it takes vulnerability to get to a place where we're able to experience freedom, right? So with Jughead, it took humility. He has a jug on his head. He can't see us. He doesn't know if we are going to harm him. Um, It takes faith. It takes trust for him to come to me and trust that I'm not going to, I don't know. I don't know what he thought I might have done. Maybe shoot him. I don't know. But it takes trust for him to come to me and allow me to figure out how to get the jug off of his head. In the same way, whatever the different situations that we are dealing with, the sin patterns, the state of minds, the the situational things, we need to be vulnerable enough to come to God um, to allow him to help us. So yes, receiving God's help means that we do have to be vulnerable. And with that vulnerability, he's going to give us opportunities to change and to grow. We have to admit that we're wrong. We have to admit that we need help. And all of those things are difficult. But I think that's why understanding God's character and reading the Bible is so important. Because if you don't really see God clearly and see him for who he is, you will assume that he is the type of God who is going to just wag his finger at you and tell you how horrible you are, or he's going to punish you for the things that you've done wrong. And really, he's just ready to restore you and to reconcile you and to right the relationship so that you can experience him and you can experience life the way that he really planned for you to experience it. And so um, a scripture that comes to mind is in 1 Peter 5 and 5. And it just says this. It's very simple. But uh, the principle is so good. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So that's 1 Peter 5 and 5. And I go back to this scripture because I have a tendency to be prideful um, when it comes to God and not prideful in a way where I am saying to God, like, I know better than you, but prideful in the sense that I can tend to do things on my own, um, try to find solutions on my own and not really look to him for help. And that that is a huge way that pride um, reveals itself. Self-dependence is a huge way that pride reveals itself. And far too often, I find myself relying on myself and kind of coming up with my game plan. And God is like, come to me. Let me help you. I can run around the yard all day, like trying to think about how can I get this jug off my head? Maybe I can rub up against a tree or I can take my behind over to God and let him help me, right? And in this story, for the sake of the example, yes, I am making myself, who is trying to help Jughead, I'm making myself like a loving father um, because that's what God is. So he's like, I see the distress you're in. I see the pain that you're in. 
And I just want you to come to me and allow me to offer freedom. Um, Let me teach you. And, you know, I think of the scripture where he says, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. So oftentimes we carry a hard burden um, because we don't want to come to God. So I read this commentary on First Peter chapter 5 that said this. I thought it was really good. Humility is demonstrated by submission. It is the ability to cheerfully put away our own agenda for God's. Even if God agenda, God's agenda is expressed through another person. Okay? So, you know, that's, I think that's such a great picture of humility is submission because we all have a way in which we want to live our lives. We have an expectation in terms of how our lives will progress and what will be made of our lives, what we will accomplish, how we will experience it. And it's nothing wrong with having a vision for those things. And I know our culture right now is super big on manifesting and I am, it's tricky. I'm a, I am with the idea of manifesting in the sense that like, I think we can affirm God's word. The things that God said is true. I think we can say those and affirm those. But most of the time when you hear manifesting, it's all self-driven. It's like what I want, what I want to accomplish, how I think things should go. And it's very um, individual driven. It's not really God centric or it may be like what we have created of a, of God in our minds, but it's not God of the Bible. What he says is kind of like our interpretation of what he said. And I think that's, that's pretty dangerous, but we can come to God through his word and experience salvation. And I don't just mean salvation, like you don't know him and you need a right and restored relationship with him. Absolutely that too. But I also mean like, you know, for those of us who have a relationship with God, but yet we still need constant salvation from ourselves, from our own way of life, from, you know, our own sin. Um, We still need our minds to be transformed and renewed. Um, God wants to give us that salvation over and over and over again. So I do understand that humility is hard, um, but it really is a gift from God to move towards the experience of wholeness and the freedom that God truly wants us to have. So basically all I'm saying here is let's not be like Jughead. (laughs) We have a loving God who is eager to love and to serve us, okay? His command is really just beckoning us to come to him so that he can offer us life. So John 10.10 says that God came to give us life and life abundantly. So that is his call. That is why he's saying, hey, Jughead, come over here. Come over here. Let me help you. Is it work? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Does it mean laying down 
our expectation, what we thought things should be. Absolutely. But here's the thing. God is so satisfying. Whatever it is that we think we desire, um, how we think we should be able to get what we desire out of life, um, God is going to give us so much more satisfaction. It may look different, but I promise, I promise that a relationship with God that is growing, where we are constantly coming back to him, allowing him to remove the different jugs that we get stuck on our head, allowing him to transform us and to renew us and to restore us, that is going to give us such a more satisfying life than anything we can get on our own. So my only, uh, my only thought today is let's not be like Jughead. What is one step that you can take today to move towards the hands of Jesus? I want you to think about that. Also, what burden do you need him to lift? What is your jug today? I mean, it may be something different tomorrow, but for today, what is your jug? And how can you take a step towards Jesus? I'm going to be thinking on that too. I will see you all in the next episode of the Acacia Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.